JJ Cooper, Kyle Glazer, the Baseball America Playoff Podcast. We are rolling along here in the playoffs. We have we have three of our four LCS teams now set after a very busy, very important Tuesday of, of playoff baseball. But I think as as I'm not, I'm about the thousandth person to say we also get. The game five, if you said we're going to get one game five out of these division series, I think it's fair to ask that it be Giants-Dodgers, not just because that's a great rivalry. It's been a great rivalry going back uh, you know, to their time where they were in the same city many, many, many years ago now, but and then going out to the West Coast together. But more than that, because those are two of the best teams in baseball that battled all year, and it is fitting – that it'll come down to one winner-takes-all game to advance to the LCS between the, the, the team that has been with the Astros, one of the two dominant teams of the last uh, five, six, seven years, and another which was better than them during the regular season this year, if by the smallest of margins. Kyle, you were there for that. I, I will start by asking, we're going to cover this game in a lot of ways, but I felt like as I watched how that game played out last night, and I did make it to the end of it, I'm proud to say, but on the East Coast, that says something. But the thing that's one of the things that stood out to me is, is it felt like a game that the Dodgers approached that game knowing they needed to win it more than the Giants did. And I felt on the flip side of that, that the Giants looked at it and said, if we can steal this one, great, but we're really quite okay with this is the game that's setting us up if we have to, to be most set up to win game five. Is that reasonable? Yeah, definitely. There's definitely, you could kind of feel it that once the Dodgers jumped out for nothing after that for the giants, for the most part, it was like, okay, you know what? Let's just, I mean, again, they didn't, they didn't pull their starters or anything and they still used quite a lot of relief pitchers, but there was definitely a little bit of a, okay, the Dodgers have this now for the giants. It's going to be more about just making sure everyone stays healthy and is ready to go for game five. Keep, you know, your best options ready for that. And that was, that was kind of how it played out. Again, they did use Tyler Rogers a little bit, um, but for the most part, yeah, there's definitely a sense that the Giants are now going to go into game five with their, their best, best guys for the most part, uh, fully rested uh, in the bullpen, namely Camilo Doval, as opposed to using him back-to-back nights. Uh, they're going to have a bunch of different starting pitching options available. Logan Webb is going to start, uh, but Kevin Gossman is going to be available out of the pen. There's going to be a lot of, of really, really, really – good pitchers that the Giants are going to have completely fresh. And that's going to be a boost for them. Um, same time, Julio Urias is also fresh for the Dodgers. And he was great in his start. Uh, Urias versus Webb, two of the better young starters in the National League West. And like you said, this is what everyone wanted. I think that once it became clear the Dodgers had this game, it was 4 nothing after the fourth inning. Uh, the Giants got one in the top of the fifth. The Dodgers came right back. And after that, I was like, all right, we're going to game five. And this is, like you said, it's what everyone wanted. And uh, Thursday is going to be a heck of a game with both teams throwing everything they got at each other. Again, these two teams were not split by that much in the regular season. 107 wins versus 106 wins. Uh, the Giants won the season series 10-9. to 9. I mean, it was a razor's 
thin edge all year. And now it does come down to one game and it's, it's, it's how it should be. It, it is. And there were a couple of moments in that game. I felt like the, the giants came close to making it. There, there were a couple of opportunities that they did have where maybe they would have had put the pedal to the metal a little bit more, but but that was a game the Giants – I mean, the, the Dodgers were largely in control. They did have – Walker Bueller versus uh, Anthony DiSclefini is a matchup that you would say advantage Dodgers. Um, now that we go to game five, which we have a day off before that, and it is our only game five, who do you think has the advantage in game five? Flip a coin. <laughs> I mean, again uh... – you know, if Logan Webb goes out and pitches like he did in game one, he's got the advantage. If Julio Urias goes out and pitches like he did in game two, the Dodgers have the advantage. I don't really think that either team has a distinct advantage. It's just going to come down to who plays well. And, you know, Dave Roberts last night kind of mentioned in the press conference that, you know, these two teams know each other so well. They do so many things similarly that he's like, honestly, now it just comes out to, all right, we're going to run right and you know it and you're either going to stop us or you're not, you know, Vince Lombardi style. There's no fa- nothing fancy here. Both these teams know each other so well. They're so evenly matched. I don't think either team really has a distinct advantage. The Giants being at home, but the Dodgers have shown they can win up there. So it, it, it's going to be very, very tight. One advantage I do see in this is Webb is going on more rest than Julio Urias. And to me, that could be important in a, uh, there is the off day here, which does help for both teams, but kind of also lets both teams really reset the bullpens. Obviously it's game five. Everyone's available, but not just everyone's available. A lot of these pitchers, as you know, Duvall and guys like that are going to have coming off of two days rest, which means they should be fresh, not just, I'm going to gut through it. But I do think the difference of the Dodgers understandably needing to bring these guys back on shorter rest, they, if, if they have been up 2-1, there was talk that Tony Gonsolin may have pitched game four, potentially. But because of this, I, that's where I do see a slight, slight, but a slight edge for the Giants when we go back to this, they didn't need to win game four idea. That's where I come from is, is that they were able to say, let's put one of our best pitchers, one of the best pitchers in, in, in the National League this year, let's put him in the situation to best succeed. Doesn't mean the Dodgers can't succeed, but they're asking guys to do something a little bit abnormal, whereas the Giants are saying, hey, this is just another game like you had all through the season. And I think with that, that's where I go a very slight advantage for the Giants. One thing to note, the Giants on the whole have not hit well this series. Uh, They're hitting 184 as a team, a 524 OPS. And that's where I do think this, in a lot of ways, is going to come down to can the Giants' bats just kind of get a little more going than they have these last couple of games? Uh, Two runs last night, one run the night before, two runs in game two. I'm going to be curious to see if they can get the bats going a little more than they have. The Dodgers... They're, they've been a little boomer bust this series. Well, I shouldn't say a little. It, they have been. They've had zero runs in two games and 16 runs in the other two. But one thing that's been slightly encouraging, especially last night, you saw Cody Bellinger have some better at-bats. Gavin Lux in his first start was excellent, reached base in all four of his plate appearances. I wrote about it. It's up at baseballamerica.com today. You know, Mookie Betts has hit well this series, had a home run the opposite field last night. So 
the Dodgers offense, I feel like they're going into this in a little bit better shape than the Giants offense. You know, outside of Chris Bryant, Buster Posey's had some big hits, obviously. Tommy LaStella as well. But for the most part, outside of Chris Bryant, this Giants offense has not been great this series. And that is something that I could see the Dodgers have a slight edge with. They're just hitting better right now. They're not just hitting better. They're also, I think, having better quality at bats. One thing that does stand out about the Giants so far in this series is they're, uh, they're, they're 36 strikeouts, six walks. Dodgers, on the other hand, 40 strikeouts, but also 15 walks. The, the Dodgers are, are working counts a little better. And again, as you said, it's been boom or bust. I don't want to make it sound like that. That disparity, run differential in the playoffs doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot for you because – you're, you're, you kind of, like you saw with the Giants yesterday, there are games where you say, okay, we're moving on to the next one because we don't have to win this one. But that is a good point that you bring up. That's, to me, it, it's just going to be a whole lot of fun that we have this as a game five. We now, so we have one that has gone on to game five. We had two others that, that ensured that we didn't go to game fives. We're going to cover those, but we'll do that right after a quick break. And we're back. So, Kyle, we have Giants-Dodgers going on to a winner-takes-all game. The, the Braves, the Astros ensured that didn't happen in their series. We'll start with let's, – let's start with the Astros versus the White Sox. Uh, let's start with the team that, that lost it, that the White Sox are done. Does this season, at the end of the day, have a little bit of a um, – uh, does it have a feeling of disappointment to you for the White Sox that this didn't go further than it did? I think obviously that they're going to be disappointed because they're a really, really talented team who felt like they had the ability to get to a World Series. And this is a really, really good team. Uh, I do think that they ran into a better team. The Astros were a better team during the regular season. The White Sox had a lot of injuries. They played through them and were still successful. They deserve a lot of credit for that. But I talked about it as we started this postseason that I felt like I had to stick with the White Sox to reach the World Series out of the American League because I picked them in the preseason. But in a vacuum, if you just look at these two teams, I mean, the Astros were the better team. So in that sense, I don't know if you can consider the season a disappointment. They won the Central despite, again, losing Luis Robert, losing Eloy Jimenez, um, losing Nick Madrigal, who they thought was going to be a big part of their team. Eventually, they traded him for Craig Kimbrell. And they're still going to be a really good team for years to come. This was not a year of they need to do it this year or it's going to be a problem. It's hard for me to say a season's disappointing if you won a division title and just got beat by a better team, and that's what I think happened. How about you? Yeah, the, the good news if you're a White Sox fan is, is that this should not be, this is not an end point in this journey by any stretch of the imagination. This is a team does have some veterans. I don't want to make it sound like they don't. Jose Abreu is important to this team. He's getting up there. Yasmani Grandal is important to this team. He's, you know, he's in his mid-33 next year. But at the same time, Tim Anderson, Eloy Jimenez, you can go down the list. I don't need to list. You know who all these players are. They're, they're losing Lance Lynn, Carlos Rodon, or hitting free agency. Those are important. Those were key guys. They're going to be more, a lot more. If they want to bring them back, they're going to be a lot more expensive next year coming off of the years they just had. So I don't want to make it sound like, oh, they don't have anything that they have to replace. The farm system's not 
not very good now. That said, the young talent on this team, the core talent on this team, does lead you to think that they'll be back again. And hopefully, if you're a White Sox fan, the experience of the last two years will help them to take it a step or multiple steps further in the future. But I also do think you, you hit on it. It's impossible to talk about the Astros and not have in the back of your head, okay, when you praise the Astros, you have to acknowledge the fact that, that they were penalized for cheating during this run. That said, okay, so please, we're not ignoring it. The Astros stole signs. They were penalized. It, it probably is the, you know, it, 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 it tarnishes what the Astros have done to some extent. All true. Okay, now that we got that out of the way, this Astros team and what they've done over the last five years is really impressive on an on-the-field product. The quality of at-bats that these Astros players, this lineup for the Astros put together, that last inning that Rodon pitched yesterday, which was, what, the third? It was not long into the game. Yeah, third. But there were multiple instances where Carlos Rodon through reaching back for everything he had through his pitch, exactly what he wanted. And either it was a great take on a pitch that was just off the plate, or it was a foul ball. It was these situations where a Jordan Alvarez or an Alex Bregman, or a lot of these guys were forcing the pitcher to make his best pitch multiple pitches in a row. And at some point, the pitcher's generally going to make a mistake in that situation. At some point, Carlos Correa, big hit in that game. Oh, he's going fastball on me this time. Okay, I missed that one. I missed that one. I didn't miss that one. Big hit. The quality of at-bats that this Astros lineup puts together day in and day out, the depth of the lineup, there are – you get to the bottom of the lineup, there are a couple of guys who you can get out. But one through about seven, one through six especially, is just frightening to face. Not only because they have power, but more than that to me, because they can really hit. And that's the kind of thing that just wears on a team. Look, this was the best offense in baseball this year. They led the majors in scoring. I mean, there's no offense in baseball as explosive as the Blue Jays was as high-powered as the Dodgers are at their best, and as good as this Red Sox offense is. The Astros were better than all of them. And I think it's something where, again, as we talk about this series, to me this isn't, oh, the White Sox lost the series. The Astros won it. They scored 31 runs in four games. And by the way, their pitching staff did a pretty good job holding the mm-hmm. White Sox to one run in game one, one run in game four, you know, even four runs in game two. This is a really good White Sox offense. And outside of game three, the Astros held them down. I just think, again, the Astros this year, to me, I don't know if enough people were paying enough attention to how good this team is just because everything that was going on in the AL East, and deservedly so, four teams with 91 wins. The White Sox were obviously a huge storyline with Tony La Russa, all this young talent. And out West, 
I mean, so much of the focus is on Shohei Otani, and deservedly so. And then, oh, hey, look at the Mariners having this great run. It almost seemed like the third biggest storyline in their own division that, oh, by the way, the Astros are really, really, really good. And now they're going to their fifth straight ALCS. So this is a really, really good team that can beat anyone. They have the offense to do it. I think the biggest thing now is seeing whether or not Lance McCullers, who left yesterday, start with an injury, what his situation is going to be, because he is so, so, so critical to their fortunes moving forward. That's going to be the thing to me where you say, okay, if this becomes something serious, that would significantly change their outlook. But I mean, going into this ALCS, they're the favorite. They have to be. And again, that's nothing against the Red Sox. That's just how good this Astros team is. And I think this was the coming out party on the national stage where people could say, oh, yeah, they're really, really, really good still. The other thing that does stand out with the Astros that give them all kind of credit on this, I thought that this was about going to be the end of the line for Houston. If you look at it, this is the year that Carlos Correa reaches free agency after the season. Justin Verlander, who didn't pitch this year, but Justin Verlander hits free agency. Zach Greinke hits free agency. But what Houston has done is rebuilt with a much younger pitching staff that gives them a shot of keeping this going. This is not, this doesn't look like the end of the line now. It's not something where if Carlos Correa leaves and goes somewhere else in free agency, I, I don't want to make that sound like that that's not a hole that has to be filled. Because it is. That's significant. I don't want to make it sound like that losing a Granke and a Verlander, even though Verlander was hurt, doesn't, isn't a hole that has to be filled. But their ability to develop guys like Luis Garcia, to develop a, a bullpen of young guys who really took their lumps early in 2020 – but now gives them a deep bullpen. This gives them a chance to have even further staying power. Most teams kind of rise and fall. That's not Houston right now. I talked about it on the solo podcast on Friday that, you know, the emergence of these pitchers, Luis Garcia, Framer Valdez, Jose Urquidy, Christian Javier, that is what has altered the Astros trajectory. I mean, we talked about it even after the 2019 season it really did seem like, okay, they just don't have the arms for it. And you and I have talked about this many times before. If there was one knock on the Astros during this run is that they didn't really develop homegrown pitching. You know, Dallas Keuchel and Lance McCullers were their only successes. Their pitching development had resulted in a lot of guys who were used in trades because they had traits that really popped analytically. But when you looked at actual major league performance, I mean, for the better part of six, seven years, they, they didn't really have anyone that actually came up through their system and became a successful starting pitcher outside of those two, Keuchel and McCullers. And then all of a sudden they have these four guys come up from relative anonymity. And again, just give them credit because these four specifically, as you've mentioned, this is what will allow the Astros to continue being as good as they've been moving forward. Again, bringing Carlos Correa back is huge, but there's no question. It has significantly altered the outlook of the Astros franchise. It, it, it very much has, and there's, it, it's, there are multiple people who get credit for that, and, but it, the sustainability of this is really, really impressive. It, to me, it, as we look at that, so that gets us to our, our final series that was wrapped up on Tuesday. Braves and Brewers, obviously we start with, speaking of players who are reaching free agency, it may be important that Houston retain Carlos Correa. I think I, I don't even want to imagine what the mindset of Braves fans, fan, Braves fans will be 
if Freddie Freeman is playing somewhere else next year. And he just added another moment to that with that, <laughs> that majestic and uh, significant home run that essentially played a large part in sending the Brewers home. We'll get to the Braves, but to talk about the Brewers here, similarly, we talked about with the White Sox, okay, a good season. I do feel like that this Brewers team, if they can keep doing what they do with developing pitchers, improving pitchers, all that, I don't want to make it sound like they're going anywhere. But this is a Brewers team that goes into the offseason with real questions about their lineup. And I don't know how much flexibility they have to improve it because the problem they have right now is, so for next year, Christian Yelich, 26 mil, Lorenzo Cain, 18 mil. If they want to bring back Avisel Garcia, that'd be 12 mil. Jackie Bradley Jr., 11 mil. That's a lot of money devoted to guys who, in multiple of those instances, weren't all that good at the plate this year and are I, I don't know how much flexibility they're going to have to fix some of these offensive issues. Maybe they will. This is an incredibly creative front office. This is a front office. I am not doubting them because they have shown the ability to keep this going, but I do feel like that Milwaukee heads into this off season with more questions than they have in any recent year? I think you definitely give this front office the benefit of the doubt. They'll figure something out. But at the same time, you're right. A lot of this is going to have to come from internal improvements. Christian Yelich, since his back injury, it just hasn't been good. 2020, 2021, he's batting 234 with a sub 400 slugging percentage. Obviously, when he's right, he's one of the best players in baseball. But since that back injury, he just hasn't been. And that's something that will go a long way for the Brewers, just getting him back even to 60% of what he was, because right now he's not even that. It's been a really rough last two years for him. You mentioned some of the other players. How much do you believe they can bounce back? We'll see, but Yelich is really the key there. You asked me if the White Sox, if their season was disappointing, and to me the answer was no. Again, I'm sure they're disappointed. You understand why, but like I said, they just lost to a better team. If you're the Brewers, to me, this is where I think of all the teams that have lost so far, you know, outside of the Rays, they're the team with the most reason to feel disappointed. This was a really, really good team that steamrolled through the Central. And by all accounts, they were the favorite team. They had home field advantage in this series. And they just went out and, I mean, two runs in game one, shut out in game two, shut out in game three. Finally had a little bit of offensive momentum going in game four. They couldn't hold it. They went up 2-0 in the fourth inning, couldn't hold it. Went back up 4-2 in the fifth inning, couldn't hold it, and then lost it. Again, give Freddie Freeman credit and give the Braves credit. I want to make it seem like the Brewers choked it away. The Braves went out and won it, and you, you give them credit. But I really do think that outside of the Rays, this is the most disappointing postseason exit when you look at what this team did over the course of the regular season, who this team was facing, the fact they had home field. I do think they absolutely have to look at some things and say, okay, how can we make this offense better? Because just running it back with the same group next year, it's just not going to cut it if they want to rise to the championship level that they're capable of with the starting pitching staff. I, that's why my concern is, is for Brewers fans is, is that's going to be hard to do though. But again, because the other thing that we should note with them, 
this is a team they have a lot of these same guys josh Hader is our in arbitration brandon woodruff is in arbitration brett Suter is in our they have a lot of really key guys on this team that are getting to the point of being more expensive now I should note for everything. When I say they're heading to arbitration, I should note, caveat to all this, assuming that the CBA going forward is the same system as we have been under under the current CBA. So there's a lot of caveats with that. But uh, they're, they're going to have to be really creative to find ways to improve the offense. Or probably the key part is, is, is figuring out, okay, Jackie Bradley Jr. is a player who's had very ups. His ups, his highs are really high, and his lows are really low for the entirety of his, not just professional career. You could go back to his days at South Carolina. He's always a great defender, but offensively, it has varied. Well, we need to get him back. Lorenzo Cain being healthy, I think, is a key part of this. You mentioned it. Christian Yelich being healthy is a key part. Okay, so that's the Brewers. Now get ready for some kudos. We've talked about it on this podcast during this postseason before, but I do look at what the Braves have done. I think you do too. And look at what the front office, Alex Anthopoulos, what coaching staff, Brian Sticker and all. I look at what they have done. And I do think that you have to say with this, what a, <laughs> this was not the year that was supposed to be the year that the Braves aren't disappointing in the postseason. Them getting to the postseason the point where Ronald Acuna is done, the point where Mike Soroka is not going to throw this year, all of that, the point where the bullpen was pretty much three guys and some gasoline in a match at, at some point during the season. This was not supposed to be the year where there's other years where the Braves are pretty much eliminated in a, in a do-or-die game five before they uh, settled into their seats, which has happened to the Braves in recent years for this to be the year where really they were in control of this series. There were some close games. It was a low scoring pitching dominated series, but for them to be the team that really, I don't think this, this series was ever that frightening after you got past game two, if you're a Braves fan to see that and to see them now go into whoever they face giants or Dodgers, they'll be facing a superior team. I don't think there's any question of that. But it is a situation where when you look at Freddie Freeman, Austin Riley, Jock Peterson, who now, if they're facing the Dodgers, may even have a little bit of that, you know, hey, my old team, I'm going to show them that things are good. Uh, you know, energy to go on top of, top of Jocktober. To have that and a pitching staff where Ian Anderson, Max Fried, Charlie Morton are really rolling they're in a pretty good place right now, Cal. Yeah, one of the things that really, really jumped out to me, and I tweeted this out last night, is I, I think we've all been so focused on the Braves and how they've been playing over the course of the season, seeing an 88-win team and kind of dismissing them. But as we talked about, they really, really became a new team in a lot of ways after the trade deadline, bringing in the outfield they did. Some of their starting pitchers got healthy. Uh, Ian Anderson had missed some time. Oscar Noah missed some time, and they came back. So on August 1st, the Braves lost to, to drop to 52 and 55. Since then, they've had the third best record in the major leagues behind only the Dodgers and Giants. This has been a team that for the last two months has been, again, one of the three winningest teams in Major League Baseball. And they played like it this series. Again, a lot of times 
we look at what a team did over the course of the season, but it's more about how are they playing right now? And right now, again, for the better part of two months, the Braves have been really, really, really good. And again, some of it's they played in a poor division and got to beat up on some weak opponents, but you have to win the games you play. And they did that as well as anyone, except for the two best teams in baseball this year for the better part of two months now. So yeah, you have to look at this team and take them seriously and say with the way they've been playing, this isn't a fluke. And again, no matter who they face in the NLCS, the Dodgers or Giants, those are better teams. Let's be clear, both in terms of if you look at it over 162 games or just those last two months. But I don't think you can discount them. The Braves have just been playing too well for too long now as currently constructed. Again, that's a credit to the front office. That's a credit to the players. It's credit to everyone involved. I mean, the Braves just won their fourth straight division title. They're going to their second straight NLCS a year after pushing the Dodgers to seven. I mean, very, very quietly, they've put together a run here where you just kind of tip your cap. There's nothing to be disappointed about. Although Braves Twitter, I find to be a very, very pessimistic place. And so sometimes they're disappointed about it. But on the whole, you look at everything they've done this year, the last couple of years, it's, it's pretty impressive. Can I interject there? I, again, I'm from Georgia. I have many, I have family members who are diehard Braves fans. I know many diehard Braves fans. And let me just interject. They are a fan base that I get it. At, it is one, they've had a lot of success. And probably one could argue, if I'm a Mariners fan and I'm listening to this, I'm saying, oh, those poor Braves fans who get really disappointed about losing in the playoffs so often. I get it. At the same time, I also get it from a Braves fan perspective. If you're a Braves fan, the amount of great moments followed by heartbreak, and let's just wrap it in. Braves fans are often, okay, there's generally Braves fans who are in some cases are also Falcons fans. Some of the most disturbing ways to lose a Super Bowl ever. I think the Falcons won that. But it is remarkable how often the Braves have gotten to the playoffs and then not, especially in the 21st century, the Braves' history is amazing at making the playoffs. But they haven't, the, the last time they went to a World Series was 1999. So that's something that they do absolutely kind of have. This is, this team does have a little bit, it, it would be just be fascinating to me if it's not the 101 win team in 2002, not the team that they had in, in, in 2019, that this team that has clearly been flawed, if this team somehow did become the one to make the World Series, that would be a remarkable turnaround for a team that really did look. Mid-season, if they have sold at the deadline, it wouldn't have been remarkable because they did look like a team that you could absolutely positively explain it away and say, well, this was supposed to be the year, but when you lose a Ronald Acuna, when you lose a Mike Soroka, when your bullpen is not what it was in other recent years, when – this just isn't the year, okay, let's regroup, build back for next year. To their credit, we've talked about it on the podcast before, that's not what they did. They went out and at a very low cost in prospects, really spare parts for a lot of cases, they went out and rebuilt in the outfield entirely. By the way, lost Jorge Soler 
for a, because of a COVID uh, reason before the, the game four. No big deal. That just means that we get to bring back Christian Pache as a great defensive replacement, and we have enough outfitters to make this work. Utter credit to them. I will be fascinated to see what they can do, but obviously let's circle it back to wrap this up. So that gets us back to the fact that we don't know who the Braves will be playing yet because we'll have Giants versus Dodgers. But first, we'll have a day of break. It is, it's very nice of, of Major League Baseball to clear the decks for the Arizona Fall League. We have the Arizona Fall League opening today. None of this distraction of playoff baseball. But more <laughs> than that, I'll be in bed probably by 11 tonight on the East Coast so I can rest up and be ready for it tomorrow because tomorrow is going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to be a great day. Game five, Dodgers-Giants, two of the biggest rivals in all of baseball. And I consider Dodgers-Giants to be one of the best rivalries in all sports. It's going to be great. And I know everyone is looking forward to it. Dave Roberts even said it with a big smile on his face that this is what everyone's wanted. And it's going to be a great game five. And we'll see what happens. And uh, I know we'll look ahead to the ALCS on our next podcast and preview that and who we think is going to win. And then we'll have an NLCS matchup as well. It'll be fun. We'll be looking forward to it. For Kyle, I'm JJ. Thanks again, everyone, for the download. If you get a chance and you want to, we would appreciate a review on whatever podcast player service that you use to get these podcasts. We also have an Arizona Fall League podcast that we with the season starting. Josh and I did, so we want to get you ready for that. We'll keep the podcast coming. We appreciate all of you downloads, all the listening, all the reviews. For Kyle, I'm JJ. So long, everybody. <laughs>